When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast. I'm your host, Ian Kroll. Joining me on today's show, I have three guests, all of whom are sick of international football and are counting down the days until the return of the Premier League. My first guest is View from the Gladys Street regular, Rob Astle. You all right, Rob? How are you doing? Not bad, mate. You? Um, got a bone to pick with you, Rob, to be honest, just to start off with. <laughs> um, notice you've been active on Twitter this week, very active. Okay. Um, and you basically answered the question, or you were asked the question, and you answered it. And you basically said, um, you pick uh, a five-a-side team based on players who share the same first <laughs> initial as your surname, which is A. Yeah. Didn't include one Everton player, but you included a Liverpool player. What's that about? I couldn't think of a goalkeeper's name beginning with A, apart from that. that was, that's, that's the honest answer. <laughs> the one glare in the mission that I would say that could have been an A for Everton, Arteta. Daniel Amakachi as well. Wow. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, another regular who hasn't been on the show for a few weeks is Tom Clark. Tom, you all right? Yeah, not bad. Good to be back. Good being in London the past uh, few days, few weeks, that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, we're experienced down there, so... Brilliant. Um, I'm making up the lineup. I'm making his debut on the show. Um, we got uh, Toffee Blues contributor Max Carlisle. Nice, nice to be here, mate. Thanks for having Max. me. Uh, Tom's also a Toffee Blues contributor as well. I just thought I'd make that known. Um, are you not, not going to give them any stick for anything? No, <laughs> I haven't really been following them on Twitter. To be honest, you've, you've been very active on Twitter the past couple of days, Rob. So we've, uh, a bit bored and work. It's been, it? been interesting. <laughs> It's been interesting. Anyway, um, just to run through of today's show, uh, we'll of course preview the, the Crystal Palace game, which is on Sunday. Uh, but firstly, the main theme of the podcast, uh, hopefully going to provoke some debate on Everton's also contract players um, and whether they should be kept on or released. Uh, just going to look at it from the point of view from the next two years. Um, so it'll include players that have also contract at the end of this season as well as next season. Just talk about whether we should cash in on those players um, whether we should offer offer them new deals or basically just let the the contracts run down and release them for free. Um, before we do that, though, Max, um, as is customary for everyone who uh, makes the debut on the show, I just want to get your thoughts on um, Marco Silva and how well you think he's doing so far this season. Uh, personally, I've been absolutely delighted, particularly with the the motion to bring in a director of football as well. I think that's been a, a key factor to our, I wouldn't say success, but kind of upward trajectory from last season. Um, I think we all saw just how depressing and dull football can be under Sam Allardyce last season. And this wave of optimism and, and positivity is absolutely fantastic. It's great to see Evertonians, you know, have a bit between the teeth and look forward to going the game each week again. And long may it continue. Yeah, brilliant. I think a lot of people who come on the show, first of all, um, think that so we'll, we'll move on quickly then um contracts guys so we're going to talk about players who are out of contract this season four of them um that are worth speaking about anyway we've got Leighton Baines we've got Ashley Williams we've got Phil Jagielka and we've got Tyus Brown um 
let's start with Leighton Baines and Rob, we'll start with you. Um, Leighton Baines, should he be offered a new deal beyond this season? Yeah, I'd give him another year. Um, you've got Lucas Dean now, who's probably the first choice left back, but Leighton Baines is more than a worthy substitute. Um, to come on and take his place, you know, we all know he's passed his best, but, you know, his experience within the team and, you know, the, the fans love him as well. It'd be nice just to, just to see him out nicely rather than just, you know, pack your bags at the end of the season and go. Um, I don't think it gives us then time to either get in a left back to provide competition for Lucas Dean um, or it gives one of the youth uh, players, uh, Anthony Robinson maybe, who's out on loan to to kind of slowly but surely come into the team who's, uh, you know, and eventually push Dean a little bit further. But certainly Leighton Baines gets another... At least another year for me. Um, Tom, where does Leighton Baines stand in terms of being one of our best left backs in terms of the past, what, 20, 20 30 years? <coughs> now, like, I'm thinking about, don't want to include, like, you know, players who played for us in the 80s who've won trophies. It's it's very hard to compare that because obviously Leighton Baines has never won anything. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the likes of, you know, Andy Hinchcliffe, Michael Ball, Pistoni, Gary Naismith, even. Um, Sorry, not Gary Naismith. Yeah, Gary Naismith. Yeah, I always get my Naismith mixed up. Um, you know, those type of left-sided players. Um, even Jolien Lescott, who played left-back for us, obviously was a centre-back. Where, where, is he the, one of the best? Is he the best? The best for me, yeah. I think um, he's been a long time saving for the club and he, he's got to be considered the best. I know um, Breno said he was the best since Ray Wilson quite recently and I, I agree, to be honest. He's been a great saving to the club and... We just can't drop him at the end of his contract. I think we've got to give him an extension. He's not finished yet. Uh, even when he when he was stepping in at the start of the season before Dini was ready, he showed he's not completely finished yet. He's still got something in him and he can be considered cover. Um, Anthony Robinson's looking promising out on loan. So uh, we've, got, we've got a choice of left-backs, I suppose, for next season. But I don't think Bain should be treated with the hostility of the likes of Leon Osman and Tony Hibbert where when they were at the end of their contract. So I do think he deserves an extension um, of a year at least. And so he definitely deserves an extension. And Max, if if he were to be released, what type of player are Everton going to need to sign? And when I mean that, I mean in terms of we've got Luca, Luca Dean in now, who's obviously cemented his place in the team or seems to have cemented his place. Are Everton going to have to go after a, a youngster to you know potentially push Dean? Or is it, is it going to have to be someone who's you know the similar quality of Dean? First and foremost, I do think it'd be a wrong move to to oust Baines like that. Like Tom said, it can't be another case of Leon Osman and Tony Hibbert saying by text message that you're not getting a contract extension. I think technically he's still got a lot to offer, but if the case was to be that you know we had to go out and look for a replacement, I think enough faith has been bestowed in Anthony Robinson. Yeah. In that you know you see the, these loan moves that he's getting, he, he seems to be doing really well at Wigan currently, and it seems to be slowly but sure and surely matching his his. Tech Technical ability as a player, obviously, is um, recent call up to the US man, men's national team as well. All really good indicators that, that there's, there's faith in them there. Um, he didn't set the world alight, particularly during pre season. But, if you, you know, you, you look at him objectively, young, athletic, kind of fitting that profile that you just mentioned. If he can develop technically at this spell at Wigan, um, and Baines is to go. I do think Silva would have enough faith in a young player like Robinson to to have him as Dean's deputy. Mm. Wait, Rob, where would Baines go if he was to to be released? With it, would he drop down? With I mean, because effectively, he'd probably go to another Premier League club and then probably come back to haunt us. No one, no one, whatever. Like, 
I think Baines might actually like just leave the game. To be honest with you, I think he might just call it a day. Yeah. I, I, I always get the impression Baines would. I think we all got the impression really Baines would never really entertain the MLS or a move abroad. Um, a drop down, maybe, but maybe back to Wigan if they don't come up. Mm. You know, maybe maybe finish his career at Wigan where you know where where, where he started and things. And but yeah, I th- I think he he might just call a quits in general I get I get the I get the feeling Baines actually doesn't particularly like football mm. if I'm being honest he's with just you. decent at it he's just good at it <laughs> yeah you know he's he always been quiet he's not you know he's not your typical Premier League footballer is he I think he, but yeah I, I just think he might just call it a day and just walk off with, with his uh, with his millions into the sunset <laughs> not, not bad work if you can get it yeah um, so we're all pretty unanimous on that then we all think Bain should uh, be offered a new deal. Move on then. Uh, next one. Um, this is definitely going to, I think, provoke a bit of debate. Jag Yelke, club captain. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts on that? He's obviously, he's not had the best start to the season, as we've we've talked about him um, a lot over the course of the past couple of weeks. But you know what? We signed him for four million, over 300 appearances for, for the club. He scored 18 goals as well for the defender, not too bad. Um, but like I say, that red card at the beginning of the season just hasn't helped him, has he? No, not at all. I think uh, at the start of the season uh, on this podcast, I was saying he should stay club captain for the uh, for the year. But since then, my opinions of him have changed quite a bit. Um, I don't think he should have the hostility like we talked about before. But I, I do think he's ready for the end of his Everton career more so than Leighton Baines. Um, and he he's expected it for a few years now. He's come out himself even on the Cumin and said, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not." how I used to be and I uh, might have to move on and um, find first team football elsewhere and he, he's one I can see dropping down to like the championship or something like that and I do think he probably needs to because there's been at centre-back a bit of a revolution at Everton with uh, players, young players coming in really promising and as much as we, we would like to have his authority in there because he is obviously a, a voice and um, some experience at that, that position as well which we do lack. Uh, I do think those young centre-backs do need to be given more of a choice than Jagielka, and he's been pretty much outed to fifth or even sixth choice centre-back now. So uh, it's time for him to move on, in my opinion. Max, is it just as simple as saying he's he's probably fifth in the pecking order at the club, but obviously behind the likes of Mina, Zuma, Holgate and Keane? I don't, I don't believe it's that simple, obviously, as you mentioned yourself. The fact that he's club captain plays a factor in your decision-making. Um, however... As a judgment call, I do think it's the right move to to let him see out his contract and, and go elsewhere. Obviously, at thirty six now, he's not getting any any younger. Uh, I think Marcel Brand said as soon as he come in, you know, I think that the, the squad size was something like thirty six players, and uh, and he said himself, you know, that they're not getting any younger. Yeah. Um, from a footballing perspective, I hate to say it because he was absolutely fan, absolutely fantastic in his prime, but. I just don't think he's up to scratch anymore. And, and I do think this is the start of the passing of the guard from that Moyes area. You know, we, we're talking about Lincoln Baines as well. This is the start of these players seeing out their Everton careers. And, they, you know, they were brought in in the, in the same summer as well, along with Stephen Pienaar. And, they, you know, the service that they've done to the club is absolutely fantastic. But, you know, the game isn't based on sympathy. And we've got to progress if we if we want to get to the standard that we want to. Yeah. Rob, is it a bit of a cliche, I know, but coaching role for Jags, does he... He might want to carry on playing. Obviously, we were not alluded to that, but coaching role at Everton. You know, uh, certainly uh, up until this year, I probably would have, until the start of the season, I would have said he was probably the best centre half at the club until we got the new players in. You know, the lad's got a wealth of experience. You know, he's played for England. He's like you said there, he scored plenty. You know, he scored 
at first year of goals for the centre half, three hundred plus appearances. There's certainly, a, you know, if he was, if that was the way he wants to go, certainly a coaching role for him. But I think, yeah, maybe I think I could see him dropping down too. Just like what Tom, just to reiterate what Tom said, I think, I think there was actually talk of it in the summer, wasn't there? Um, Sunderland wanted him, but it just never ever materialised. Yeah, for, yeah, for, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah. I, I can see him dropping out, but uh, dropping down as dropping down a division, maybe maybe one more, maybe one more year. But definitely, um, if he was to stay as a coach, I'd have no issues with that because he he is a top class centre half, and it's age just isn't on his side anymore, unfortunately. And, and as Max said, there's no there's no sympathy in the game anymore. You know, it's once you're done, you're done kind of thing. And yeah. I think I think he may be offered a new deal if it was a similar situation to Baines, where. He's the only other left back, or if he was the only other centre half at the club. But as you know, we've got a wealth of centre halves now queuing up for a game, and he's unfortunately back at the back of the queue. Mm. Um, so I'm just just lastly then on those two players, um, Jags and Baines. Of they were like for me, they're always going to be remembered as like an integral part of the Moyes era, the Moyes team. But if they were or not retire, but if they leave the club without winning a trophy. Obviously, they've been a great servant to the club. How, how are they going to be remembered by fans? Yeah, more of a fan favourite than anything, more because of their passion and winning everything, anything. I think um, they've, they've obviously given their, given their all and a proper Everton players have really taken to the club. I know uh, Jag Elk is not from the city, but he has really taken Everton into his heart and become a proper Everton player. And I think he'll be remembered for that more than anything. Really uh, puts his heart in the sleeve every time he, he puts the shirt on. And... Um, Definitely a fan favourite, and um, he'll be one to rem- remember. Not for winning times, but I suppose just for uh, just be- being a fan favourite and being loved by loved by us. Max, do you agree? Yeah, completely. As I mentioned, Jags has been, you know, he's been like a rock in that dressing room for for several years, many years, and the impact that he has can't be understated there as well. I, I, I um, When I was in school, I did work experience at, at Finch Farm and to say Jags is a presence there, it'd be a bit of an understatement. He's, he's always there for the younger players and always having a laugh. So his impact in within the club itself is massive, obviously by that decision by David Moyes to make him club captain. You know, it, it wasn't by accident on the pitch. Absolutely fantastic. I do have the hunch that his career hasn't quite been the same since the you know that stable partnership with Sylvan Distan mm-hmm. was changed. Um, he hasn't kind of found his feet with a new partner, but hopefully, looking back, the you know the memories of Everton fans are of them times where he was quite possibly England's best centre half. Just interesting there. I just wanted to ask you a question because from your experience, you said you've um, you say you met you've met Jags before. Mm. So is it is it unfair? Um, I'm one of them. I've said it. So was it unfair? For some fans to say that Jags has never been a, a, a true leader for Everton, I, I can see where fans are coming from when they do say that. Um, particularly with some of the, some of the comments that have come out from Jags regarding players moving on to other clubs, or in terms of where the you know we're finishing in the league table, it really has an air of Phil Neville about him almost. But as, as I said earlier, the game isn't based on sympathy and. It's kind of a new model, this project at Everton now, so to speak. I think we've got to be a lot more ruthless. And in terms of Jags not being a proper leader, I just don't think in that regard he's been ruthless. You know, you see some of these top captains, I hate to say his name, but Stephen Gerrard, you know, always talking on the pitch, always on the refs here. 
And when you look at Jags, you know, you think, you know, you should con- you should contest that. You should get in the referee's face. You should be everywhere. But, you know, it, yeah, uh, we should. I think we should move on, really. We really should. But he, he's been a fantastic servant. Great. All right, moving on from that then. I can't see this one, this debate on this player lasting too long. Um, Rob, Ashley Williams. No. At Stoke. <laughs> no, already, you know. Um, Luckily, he's not our problem. Well, you know, the that's, season, that's the thing, isn't it? He's brought in to replace John Stones, though. Yeah. Um, first decent season, maybe. I don't know whether you agree. Uh, 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 he was in uh, a team that finished seventh, came solid. Yeah. We, we paid... Was it nine, 10 16, million? I thought it was about oh, 16. Yeah, I thought it was nine or 10. Oh, so I don't know. If it was add-ons, we haven't paid them, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Ashley Williams came in with this reputation after the Euro. Was it the Euros? Yeah. Um, you know, Wales had a great tournament. Um, and then we got this, you know, we thought we got this really top-class centre-half in. Uh, fair season, yeah. All right. Um, but after that, and toward, probably towards the end of that fair season, it was quite poor. And then all of a sudden... With Ashley Williams, it, it it just seemed to go. He was he was the one making mistakes, and I thought last season, and I don't know other people agree with me on this, when it was when Michael Keane was in the team, and Ashley Williams was there too. I felt Keane was covering for Williams a hell of a lot, mm. so it made Keane look a lot worse than he actually was because he was covering for Ashley Williams. Um, Probably in the same frame of mind as Jack Yelker and then to the, he's too old now, you know, that his legs have gone. Um he's not he's of no worth to us. Um, you know, luckily it is the final year of his contract and he's not in you know, his money's being paid by someone else. Um Stoke to me would seem to suit him in terms of his the way he is, you know, that old fashioned sense of I've art. seen some of the Stoke fans slate him. Uh, yeah, so I've seen some of the mistakes he's made as well. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, it's Ashley Williams. I think he was one of them ones last year as well. I I I put him in the the attitude of the bad the 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 category of having a bad attitude. You know, seems to lose his head a lot. Yeah, obviously the the prime example that Leon game, the Leon game, the Leon game, and which I thought, was just insane. Yeah, but. I thought he was he was one of the first to down tools when things got really bad. Yeah, um, and being one of the senior members of the squad that's going to affect everybody else. That that I, I don't think there'd be any love lost from. Everton fans anyway in regards to him going at all. So it's a no. It's a no. It's a firm no. <laughs> just to clarify, it's a no. <laughs> um, Tom, just moving back then, with the previous previous regime or the previous management, whatever you want to call them, were like victims to like short-term thinking in buying Ashley Williams. Effectively, we replaced John Stones with Ashley Williams. Like I just, for me, that sentence is just insane. Like we've actually done that. I understand John Stones wanted to go. I'm not saying, you know, we should have tried hard to keep him. I'm sure we did. I'm sure we offered him the world. Um, but he was going to Man City at the end of the day and he's won a Premier League title. But what I'm saying is, you know, just because Ashley Williams kind of had the good Euros, it was like, well, let's get him in. He seems to be a solid defender experience. But it lasted a year, didn't it? It was a short term thing, really. He had 10 years on Joe St- John Stones. And um, it wasn't going to last long. I know in his first season he still had it a little bit because he was only about 31, something like that. But now he's got to the point where he's lost any pace that he might have had. Uh, I do think he's a bit of a back-to-the-wall defender anyway, so the high line that we're trying to play at the moment, he wouldn't fit into. And uh, even back-to-the-wall performances like Allardyce's last year, he just he just didn't look himself like he used to. I remember when he was at Swans, he was a really solid defender and I know Arsenal were 
interested quite a bit in him uh, when he was in his prime, but he really he wasn't in his prime at Everton at all. We haven't seen his best years, and there's not it's not often that I've seen an Everton player that I dislike, but. I really do dislike <laughs> Ashley Williams. <laughs> I just, uh, Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I'll be happy to see the back to be honest. And uh, he hasn't been great at Stoke this year. He's just about got on the team um, because Stoke's central defenders aren't doing too well at the moment. So he's managed to wedge himself into the team, but he's not doing too well there either. So no, it's the end of it, the end of line for him. And uh, it was a short-term measure, so that's why you should you should go at the end of the season. Just to just to pick up on what you said there, repli- when you said before about replacing um, John Stones. Stones, I kind of wanted the move for Ashley Williams to work out similar to what it did when we sold Lescott and replaced them, replaced them with Distan. Because Distan had a fair few years left uh, yeah. ahead of Jolene Lescott at the time. And it, it was, you know, we had this time in his twilight years so to speak and he turned out to be a really really good servant and a really you know a, a, a decent player for us um, and it, yeah I expected that when we signed Williams and I thought we were going to have this really solid centre half and it just didn't work out but it did look like that for the first 12 months 9 months yeah said, mm. Said. Mm. Um, Max let's not be too negative on him <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot let's can you think of one positive that Ashley Williams did for Everton Football Club um, no. Well, <laughs> well, to kind of allude from what you were saying earlier, I think it was damned from the beginning. Obviously, with replacing John Stones, we had this kind of rough diamond, an absolute Rolls Royce of a, of a footballer, ball playing centre half. Who, you know, he made his mistakes when he was at Everton, but he was kind of that mould of the of the you know the ball playing centre half that all these top sides want their defenders to be. Obviously, replacing him with a completely different style uh, of centre-half, this kind of, it, I don't want to say immobile, but he's not as, you know, he's not as swift to move, he's solid, um, hard. And uh, as you say, that that first season, that Arsenal game springs to mind, obviously, where he got that got that winner and Goodison absolutely went up mad. But that that high almost of, of bringing in an old-school centre-half only lasted for that, for that one season. And as we said there, that... Um, last season under well under other different managers he just did not seem to adapt and you mentioned Leon and you know his last game for Everton the last time he made an appearance was that that Burnley away when he ended up getting sent off for you know the elbow so oh, yeah, yeah there's more there's, there's a lot more negatives than there are positives yeah. looking back on Ashley Williams I actually Everton forgot career. that was his last game yeah that was his last <laughs> that game was it, yeah way to go out on a high yeah. in it I think so, th- I think so. No positives then. I not think, really, not at all. <laughs> I, I think the thing with Williams, Arsenal, well, no, the Arsenal game. The Arsenal, I think the thing with Williams as well is that signing him. You saying there we went to have him, John Stones, who was this like you know rough diamond ball playing centre half. I felt like, and this is no disrespect to Moyes, I felt like we regressed to kind of like a Moyes style defence then, where it was like you know y- your job is to simply defend but unfortunately the game had moved on mm. from that you know not, you know, you, you look at teams now coming up especially in the top half they've all got ball playing centre halves and you need that to compete now and if you haven't got that you, you, you're inviting pressure onto yourself like Tom said before you're playing, we're playing a high line now Ashley Williams gets slaughtered mm. against some teams this season you know and, and it, the, he just wouldn't fit in at all now yeah, yeah. interesting mm. points I, th- I think you're right um, Tom Tyus Brown and then the last of the players out of contract this this uh, season. So uh, you know he's well behind in the pecking order, isn't he? He's not you know he's not getting anywhere near that team. So is it is it one that he's going to take himself and just say, well, 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go and find a new club. He's gonna have to, yeah. Um, he hasn't had too much of a successful loan spell, and he couldn't. I don't think he could find one this season. Um, yeah, Wigan and Preston. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. Is it? Is it? I think he's. Uh, is he with the under twenty three years again this year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but that's where he has been on. Loan. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's gone too well for him, and I know we can remember him for his part in. I think it was the Jagielka goal as well. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. That, like, <laughs> that that was. I was trying to vaguely remember the one game where he, he did okay. That yeah. was his first appearance for the club anyway and he came <laughs> on and he put that cross in, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which ended up finding his way to Jags and obviously the rest is history, yeah. Yeah. Um, guys, yeah. what do you think? I think he should uh, find a new club himself. He's not, he's going to find it very difficult, isn't he? I, just to, to play devil's advocate, really, at 24, I think you, you look at him, you look at his build, you know, he's very athletic. The, the, you know, it may be a slim chance, but I do believe there may be a chance that he could, you know, blossom later on in his career. I don't, I mean, I'm not by any means comparing him, but you look at Gareth Bale, you know, that kind of athletic build that kind of emerges later on in his career. But So at 24 now, maybe t- 26, 27, he could emerge, but I, I do feel like he may end up having to find himself another club because if it's not happened now, if you're not, you know, becoming a first team regular or at least on the bench in the squads then mm. it's not looking good for you Rob yes or no uh, I keep him yeah uh, a strange way of looking at it is we're probably going to release Phil Jagielka and as Max has just said there the lad how old is he 24 24 24 that'll be five centre still at the club all below the age of 30 you know I'm not saying he's going to succeed by any means but Let's just keep him for for another year. Let's see how he develops. Don't send him out on loan. Let's see if he can push push other players. Um, I think I don't think what helped Tyus Brownham was at the time of his emergence. You know, Martin has started struggling, and you know he was pushed out on loan, and I think he had a couple of injuries as well, which didn't really help him. So maybe he could be a late bloomer. Um, but I, if we got if we're getting rid of Jack Yelka, at least he's you know back up to the back up, I suppose, and. It wouldn't be the worst thing in a while just to keep, you know, he, he's probably be on relatively low wages anyway. Mm. Um, he'll probably get time in the under 23s. Um, but yeah, I keep him. I disagree. I think a player of that age now is going to have to just find his way himself. He's, tw- he's 24. I didn't realize he was that old anyway. Um, so I think he's just going to have to go and find himself a new club. He's, his bands are going to have to drop down divisions because I can't see anyone um, else taking him. But that's my opinion on it. Um, all right, moving on very quickly to the players that are out of contract um, in 2020. It's an interesting um, subject, this, because, you know, we're not going to get any money out of the four that we've just mentioned, but we potentially could receive a fee for the um, the following people that I'm going to mention next. So um, there's a lot of factors to con- uh, consider. We've got James McCarthy, uh, Umani Ass, surprisingly, didn't realise... His contract was up. I think he only signed a four-year deal, so must have been. Yeah, mm. this will be this oh, will be his third year now. Mm. So yeah, he's included in it. Brendan Galloway and Martin Stecklenberg. Um, start with James McCarthy and Tom. Obviously, he's had this terrible injury with that uh, leg break, but you could say he has been injury prone anyway throughout his Everton career, um, which has stalled it. Do we offer him a new deal? Do we cash in on him? You know, January or in the summer. Or do we effectively just give him a chance and try and let him play back into the team, see what he's like, and then maybe offer him a new deal? You know, with six months to go of the uh, of the contract. 
a lot of questions there, I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, I agree with the last one. Probably, I'd say. Um, I think if we did try and cash in on him, we wouldn't get that much for him. Like I reckon, ten million tops, fifteen, something like that. Um, and I think there is a quality player in there because I don't think people have paid that much for him because he has been injury prone. But there is a quality player in there. Um, I, I'm not sure where um, he fits into Silver's system. The only thing, because with the high press, I've not seen McCarthy play high press before, but I suppose he could play as one of the sitting midfielders. I maybe would feel more comfortable with McCarthy on the pitch than I would Schneider, to be honest. So uh, when he comes back, I do think he's he's a solid quality midfielder, so uh, I'd, I'd, I'd keep him. Um, not sure, obviously he wouldn't offer him a new contract just yet, but maybe when he comes back, if he does get a decent run of games going and starts playing well, that's when you'd maybe offer him a new contract. But I do think he's a, he's one we keep, we should keep. Where does he fit in the team then, Max, when he comes back and he fully fits like James McCarthy, like, you know, full throttle, you know, firing on all cylinders? Is he is he an immediate starter? Is he ahead of Umanias? Is he is he ahead of Snadlin, as Tom's just uh, suggested there? Um I'm not. I'm not so sure he's an immediate starter. I think obviously. I think it's something like just shy of ninety games he's missed in his Everton career through injury, which is an incredible amount of football to have missed. Um, if he comes back and he's playing like the James McCarthy of that 2013-14 season, that first season under Martinez, where he was absolutely ace. Uh, I think he was certainly my my favourite player around running that all time. Over the pitch. You know, James McCarthy running all over the pitch. And if, if you look at, I, I always kind of use top sides as a reference point. If you look at their atypical centre midfielder or, or their holding midfielder, Manchester City have got Fernandinho, Chelsea have got Kante, that, you know, that midfielder that runs all over the pitch. And I certainly think he can fit the profile to do that. Obviously, there's been a lot more that's happened off the pitch than on the pitch for James McCarthy at Everton. And obviously, the conflicts that we've had with Ireland over over his kind of his fitness. You know, just been crazy, a, didn't it? A, a huge drag on his career, really. And I feel sorry for him. I, I'd love, I'd love for him to get the opportunity to, to you know, put the pass behind him, get his head down, and play his best football. I really hope he finds it because he, I think he's proved he can be good enough when he's on form. Sound, uh, Rob Umaniast. Then what an enigma Umaniast is. First of all, um, he, surely he's going to have some sort of sell-on value, and even if he goes for free. Guaranteed, yeah. someone in the world of football someone, will pick him up. Someone, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, Nias. He, he divides opinion like no other Everton player I've ever I've ever known. To be honest with you, in terms of like what you know, the, you see him getting absolutely slated on Twitter, but then when he comes on the pitch, you know everyone's chanting his name, and uh, the lot. Uh, uh, he's just he's just an enigma, isn't he? And I think. I think I read the other day that Galatasaray are planning to sign him in January and I think that would be the best move for all parties. We did see that. Um, I think, but that all depends on Everton bringing in a replacement, you know, a, a replacement for him, you know, whether it be like a backup for Tosin or whether it be we, you know, throw money at like a top, top, top centre forward. And I, I don't know, but yeah, I think it's it's probably best for him to move on. I think I think he's I think it's at one point he epitomised um everything wrong under Roberto Martinez and Kuman obviously didn't really treat him with much uh, much respect and then he's outlasted three managers, I yeah, don't know. I know. It's just <laughs> it's but yeah, I think it's I think even he knows deep down inside, but credit to the lad, he does graft, doesn't he? You know, he, he might not have the best ability, but he does graft. But he got his locker back as well. And he got his locker, you know, most importantly, he's allowed to put it, you know, put his clobber somewhere else now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think 
you know, like I said, credited a lad. You know, he just got on with it, and he doesn't. He he, he does. He, he just tries, and that's sometimes it's not all you can want, but it's some, it's all you can ask, isn't it? Mm. But I do. I think his time's up at the club, and and I think if you look at the last few games, he's not really he's not been on the bench at the league games anyway. He's not even made the the, the sixteen. He's you know he only started and he actually didn't even start the Carabao Cup game. Did he come off the bench and that? Mm. So I think yeah, I think his time's up. Tom S- Silver, I'm not saying he like he he loves him or likes him, but he had him on the hole, didn't he? Uh, when he was a hole. And he, he brought him on um, as, you know, the striker that was going to be the game changer against Southampton. Obviously didn't work. So at least, do you think he'll have some sort of impact, whether it's before January and if he stays after January? Yeah, we don't really have a dynamic striker at the moment. So I think he's the only one. Cheng uh, Tosin, he runs round, but he's not he's not got the pace in the ass has. But... Uh, for all the graft and the pace, to be fair, he brings aside. I can see why people might th- thought he was good. He's he's not a footballer. I don't <laughs> think he's he's just he's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame because he is. He's obviously what a, is he, Tom? Yeah. Is he? come on. What he, is he? He's a great character, and he's he's just uh, sometimes a bit of a joke footballer, really, because he he's a really happy guy, and he's, he's he seems like a good lad to have around the training ground, and uh, he he picks people up, and. Um, <laughs> He has become a cult hero, though. Yeah. Like, it's almost like it's almost like a, a long term Dennis Strachwalazi. Oh, yeah. he, he's really developed that kind of cult hero yeah. following, hasn't he? Really. But the worse he gets, the more fans seem to. Yeah. They've got past the fact they know he's terrible. So I was like, well, if he plays bad, we'll just we'll just shout to you, ma. That's all I hear from the lower Gladys every every home game. Just think it's he's, he's just like one of these players who just like Tom just said, what is he like? What? what? I remember against against them. I remember one game. I can't remember under which manager it was, but we were away to Leicester, and he did a step over, and the ball went out for a throwing. And you just think, come on, mate. And mm. then last year he scored against Palace at Even home. Even Phil Never wasn't that bad at yeah, the step overs. Know, yeah. <laughs> last year he scored against Palace at home. And honest to God, the way the ball hit his head, it shouldn't have gone in. <laughs> But it did. Oh, is that where it like at the back of his head? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that? it was a great head of that. <laughs> but but how did it go in? Doesn't matter. Went in. Went in. Doesn't matter. How they scored. <laughs> um, Max, moving on then from the ass. Um, Brendan Galloway, another player that you probably put in the mould of Tyus Brown, and really he's uh, struggling to to um, well get in the team and even keep you know keep his place in the, the teams that he's loaned out to as well. Yeah. That, you know, it speaks volumes of that, that he's fell off my radar, really. He's kind of, what was it, West Brom, then Sunderland, and kind of, it's been cricket since we haven't really heard anything. Um, I remember he, he did have, sorry, he did have like a run of games, didn't he? Under, under Martinez. Well, he played left-back, didn't he? Yeah. It was left-back, yeah. It was because it was kind of... like a mixture of both. Luke Gar- it was when Luke Garbett, it was yeah, kind of yeah, deliberating yeah. between who would get in the team there. Um, to, to, to be on his side... I'd, he's, he's in that camp I'd say definitely he's not a left back I can't remember a run of games he's had at centre half you just look at him you look at his physique you look at his you know he, he's being pole he, he, you know you can't you don't picture him make you know down the line up and down the line all the time you, I, I would have liked to see him have the chance to kind of operate as a central defender but as, as you say it kind of he can be put under the same blanket as Tyus Brown and in that you know is is he going to actualize that potential? It, it, you know, it, probably not. Not with the amount of people that are ahead of him, anyway. Certainly not now. No. Um, all right, Tom. Move on to 
Martin Stecklenberg and a player who did we release Stecklenberg and then get him back in? Am I right in saying that? <laughs> no. Or did Don't he was contract so. running out and we just offered him a new deal? Yeah, we offered him yeah, a new yeah. deal. Was that was that what it was? Um cool. I didn't I didn't I wasn't <laughs> entirely sure, so I'm glad we clarified that up. Um so his contract <laughs> is gonna run out twenty twenty, so he's effectively probably gonna be here till till then. Um we need someone really to push Pickford, don't we, at the moment? Because, to be honest with you, it might be an unpopular opinion, but you know Pickford, I don't think has had the greatest start of the season. Like, could even say he's been a little bit, you know, ropey at times. I don't, I don't know whether you agree with that. Um, Stecklenberg, does he? Uh, do we look to sell him on now? Uh, well, not now, but you know, January to the summer, bring someone in, um, and then see what happens. I think he was. He was kept on quite late, wasn't he, in the summer? Like, um, I think that's what it must have been. Yeah, we we couldn't really find another replacement goalkeeper. I don't think. I know Virginia came in in the end, but uh, when Robles went, we kind of everyone was looking for us to sign another um, backup goalkeeper, and we didn't manage to do that. And I think that's why we kept Stecklenberg on late. Um, I don't think he's really reliable. He, he's got a mistake in him as well, and that's not what you want to see in a goalkeeper. I know he's putting some great performances. Like I remember the one against Man City a couple of years ago, where he, he just Save. had the game of his life. Saved like two pens, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Out of his skin, he was uh, he's really good in that game. But I do think he's he's got a mistake in him. And um, yeah, I think he's a backup goalkeeper. That's what he is, and um, he, that's what he's there to do. So. If he did have to come into the side, he's not going to push Pickford. But if he did have to come into the side, he's he's, he's that's his job. He's the backup goalkeeper. But um, he's getting on now himself as well. I think what is he like thirty six something like that. So he's coming to his twilight years. So maybe he could he could be moved on as well in twenty twenty because by then he'll obviously be another two years older. Then so it will be time for him to go definitely. Yeah, Max. Um, whenever buy a new goalkeeper, whether that's January, summer, or whenever. What type of goalkeeper do you need? It, it, it kind of goes back to my question what I asked about Baines in, in terms of what, what stage of the career of the keeper do, do Everton need to, to target? Because obviously Pickford's going to be hopefully our number one for years to come. So we're not going to go out and spend another what, 50, 60 million mm. on a top goalkeeper. So are we looking at buying a very, very young goalkeeper or are we, are we looking at buying a, another effectively Martin Stecklenberg who's, who's not that good, who... Marco Silva sees as a, a cup keeper and then he's going to play against Southampton and we're going to go and get beat again. It seems to be the trend for the, the, these top teams in particular to bring in an experienced keeper who's, you know, in, in, in quotes, been there and done that. You, mm. you look at Manchester City. Um, as, you, as your first choice. Willie Caballero mm. uh, uh, and... The, Claudio yeah. Bravo as well, and I think Caballero's at Chelsea now. Got Richard Wright plays or did play for them last year as well. Jeez, yeah, <laughs> I know, but I, I think we should, particularly with, with Pickford being so young. Obviously, it's set in stone that he will be the starting keeper for, you know, however long. So bringing in someone who's, who's experienced, who, as I say, has been there and done that, almost, almost as a mentor kind of for, for Pickford for to, for him to build a bit of a rapport with and. You know, if they're training together at Finch Farm together, you maybe can pick up, pick out a few flaws in Pickford's game because, as you say, you know his start for the season hasn't been perfect, and there are still little things in his game that could do with tweaking. So personally, I know Virginia's got a lot of hype surrounding him. I do think it'd be wise for us to go in the market and pick, pluck out a kind of experienced keeper. Yeah, Rob, what what do you make of this um, thing that's been around for years, the cup goalkeeper? It does my head in if I'm being does, honest. It does my head in. Your number one's your number one and there's no reason why your goalkeeper can't play. Your number one goalkeeper can't play every single game unless of suspension and injury. That's that's just, the, the you know, 
at the end of the day, a suspension is only going to keep you out for three games tops. So why bring in a keeper who, for a cup game, who's missed the first, you know, who's missed eight league games? You know what I mean? It just yeah. makes, it makes no sense. You got, no, they're not match fit at the end of the day. They're a bit rusty. They're not used to the back, to the back four. Uh, yeah. Uh, this culture, it's just, it's silly. But obviously, we're not the only club who does it. So just unfortunately, you know, we did it and got beat. We did it and got beat, yeah. Sound. All right, well, I think we'll finish on that section uh, or that segment of the podcast there. Um, we'll just quickly talk about Crystal Palace. Um, we play Crystal Palace on Sunday at 4pm or quarter past four, one of, the, one of those times. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, Max, tough game, in it, really? We we haven't really got going at home this season, have we? It's it's always at the moment. It's it seems to be a way where we're getting our better performances and results. Yeah, we're, we're undergoing another transitional period under another manager again, really. And Crystal Palace aren't the easiest opponent to come up against when you're under when you're undergoing that period. Um, although our record has improved against Palace recently, they've always. You know they've always kept it tight. They're always a really hard team to break down off the ball. They haven't started this this season particularly well. I think they've lost five of the eight. They're opening eight in the league, so it looks like they're, they're in for another scrappy year with relegation. But they always do seem to give us a hard time. Um, fingers crossed that if he's to carry on with the lineup that he went for against Leicester, and maybe with a few additions as well coming coming in from injury, that we can just overpower them and steamroll them really. But you know, you've got to be wary that they aren't the easiest team to play against. Yeah, uh, Rob, the the Crystal Palace game effectively is going to be, you would seem to think it was quite similar to like the Huddersfield game, um, where they're just going to probably just be happy with the draw and if they get a goal and make it 1-0, they're going to be happy with that. So that's then down on us, isn't it, to, to try and break the teams down. And again, like going back to what we were just saying there, we've struggled to do that this season at home against those particular type of teams. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think... I think if we're gonna, we've got to just go at them at hundred mile an hour from the off and not do this thing where, you know, what we did against West Ham, Fulham, um, and Huddersfield, where it just takes us a while to get going because you blow these teams away early doors. You know, get a one two lead within, you know, twenty thirty minutes. They've got to come at you then, and that opens the game up for us. You know, you've got to kind of you for, you force them to play then, and I think, I think, the mobility of our front front three. Is going to be absolutely key on Sunday because they're going to have a bank of five and then a bank of four for us to try and break down. That's how they, that's how they'll play. Um, it, I hate playing Palace. I always hated playing them. Um, even last year, I know I think we beat them three three nil three one three one yeah. three one three one. And up until the last, they were just. It was still a tough game, even though we, we you know we were, we were three nil up at one point and then we ended up giving a soft pen away, and. They're just awkward to play against, and it's they've always been that way. They've got big centre halves, but like I said, hopefully our front three can play as uh, play as well as they did last week, and um, hopefully be able to pick up another three points. Tom, do we keep the same team as we did against Leicester? You know, Richardson up front, Bernard on the left. That's that sort of uh, that sort of lineup. Definitely, I don't think he'll change it. Um, the only thing is. Um Gomez and Mina might be coming back in, but I don't think they're ready to start yet. They will come off the bench, and after a good performance like that, to be fair, you shouldn't be changing it. You should be leaving it like that, and then maybe uh, 
bring Gomez and Mina in towards the end. Maybe not even Mina, maybe just Gomez in towards the end of the game. But I do think after a promising performance like that, you've got to leave it. All right, then we'll finish off the podcast with predictions. Max, um, what are you, what scores are going to be? Strong home performance. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. 2-0 win. Clean sheet. I like it. Rob? 3-1. 3-1. It's a 2-0 as well. 2-0. Okay, I'll go for... I remember, I keep an eye on all these and not not them, them down, so there's a league table at the end of the season. <laughs> um, do you know what? I'm going to go 2-1. I don't think it'll be as clear cut and easy as a. I think. I think what's going to be vital for us is the fitness of just a guy. We need his intensity in midfield. Um, you know, we know the problems we have without him. Um, and I think if he's in, I think the game will be a hell of a lot not easier, but you know, we stand more of a chance of breaking them down a bit more and stopping them, stopping um, Wolf Sahar from playing, who's obviously their key man. We've had no confirmation on Edris. No, nothing. Yeah. No. So. Could be interesting. Um, all right, guys, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it, Max, uh, Rob, and Tom. Uh, just a reminder to our listeners, uh, review, rate, and subscribe to the show. Um, just search Royal Blue in iTunes, and there you will find the View from the Gallery Street podcast. Uh, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.